Bourbon Beards and Belvedere's. I'm Adam. And I'm Paul. And I'm Jerry. Today we're going to smoke some cigars, drink some whiskey, talk about some beard products. But first, we've got an amazing guest lined up. Um, probably the greatest force for good in all of the whiskey world, Mr. Randy Sullivan. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing uh, well, although I am humbled by that introduction. <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, you know, um, you've created two groups on Facebook that have thousands of of, uh, of members. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the main tenets of that is no bullying, right? You know, you uh, you guys monitor that pretty closely. Um, I know you and Wes both. And then you've got some some great moderators that, that are in those groups. Um, you don't really put up with it. It's all about brotherhood and, and sisterhood. And again you know, coming together, um, you know, you, you, uh, you, you weed out the whiskey trolls and make sure that, that none of that goes on in your group, which I think is amazing because I'm, I'm a member of many bourbon groups on Facebook and there's a lot of, Oh, well, you shouldn't have bought that because of this reason, or you're dumb because you bought that. And you know, that, that goes on a lot and, you know, bullying is, is, uh, it, you know, it, it can be a bit, bit much whenever you're just trying to learn you're just trying to share your your um enthusiasm that kind of thing so um i think you guys do a great job and and i for one very much appreciate the group well i appreciate that i um i observed a few things you know as i got more actively involved in the whiskey enthusiast community and i interviewed a gentleman named joe mccaliff one time and he's a bit of a historian, but he, he operates in a couple different spaces, but he does operate in the whiskey space. And um, he started talking about the history of whiskey and how it came to be a product, right? And historically, uh, beer was originally created to preserve grain calories from rotting and being lost to, you know, public use, right? Uh, but beer can go bad too. And eventually, distillation techniques created as a way to to preserve beer um, and to keep that from being lost. But at the end of the day, they were just trying to preserve the the resources of grain for. And <clears throat> I think that somehow, deep down in all of our subconscious minds, we view whiskey as a communal resource. Um, and, I've seen how whiskey has a tendency to bring people together and to bring out generosity in people who are normally not generous. And so that was one of the encouraging factors that made me think, hey, maybe this is about more than just how good the whiskey tastes or wanting to relax with you know a little bit of ethanol in your system. Maybe it can be about something that's bigger, um, that's, that's socially important. And I, I went, during that time, I went to a bottle share and there was, um, I, I went with Rodney Smith, who I co-founded Someone Say Whiskey with. Um, and this was at the very, very beginning stages. I don't even think we had started letting people in a group that lived outside of our neighborhood. And uh, Rodney's uh, African-American and to the right, he was a Hispanic gentleman and across from me was an Indian gentleman. And I was tasting something that somebody had brought to share and I thought it was great. And I started talking about it. And the Hispanic gentleman said, uh, let me try it. And so I handed him my glass and he drank out of the glass 
and then he handed it to the Indian guy and he drank out of the glass and he handed it to Rodney and he drank out of the glass and he handed it back to me and I finished the glass and I thought, we used to not even be able to drink out of the same water fountain. And now <laughs> here we are, you know, and I just met two of these gentlemen today, you know. And so those are the things that kind of led me to think like this could be something big. Um, and then, you know, when you get involved in the enthusiast community, if you get access to the back office and you see the statistics, only about 10% um, of a community is active and only 10% of those people are creating 80 to 90% of the content. And so when you get into a community and you see like, oh, there's 50,000 members, you think that 50,000 members are creating the culture and, and the feel and the vibe of the group. But the reality is it's probably about 500. And so a relatively small number of people can redefine what the experience is inside of a community. And once I realized that, I realized if, if I could get the right 1% to be the vocal ones, we could do something different in this space that was actually going to make a difference in people's lives. And so that, that was kind of, you know, how we led up to this. Well, um, I mean, I think your mission there is, is, you know, you're accomplishing it. Like I said, I'm, I'm a member of both groups. Um, I appreciate, you know, what goes on in both groups. I appreciate the, uh, the knowledge that's shared among the members. Um, I appreciate the, the fact that, you know, they're not in there just dogging each other. Um, it does make it more enjoyable because, you know, it, you, 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 you learn new things, you learn about new products, things that you haven't had before. So, um, and then you just, you make friends. Um, these, these two gentlemen here, we met through, uh, a different, um, podcast and we would do, uh, monthly hangouts and samples would get sent out and we would, we would sit and, and do samples to, you know, drink samples together. There were about 20 of us or so. Um, the idea for this, this podcast came about late night when myself and Paul were, were, um, the last two on the call it was about two or three in the morning. We were still sitting around drinking whiskey. Um, and we had this idea. So, um, you know, I've been friends with these guys for years. Um, Jerry and I have gotten together. He's, he's come up to Kentucky, um, twice now. And, uh, we've, we've got gotten together with some other guys and gone and done distillery tours together. And, um, whiskey does have a way of, of bringing people together, um, create, helping you create friends that, you know, otherwise you would have never met. Jerry lives in Florida. Paul lives in Maryland. I would never have there. There's almost, you know, statistically it's, it's very small chance that I would have ever encountered them. Um, or yourself for that matter, if you weren't doing what you do, you know, you, I, sure. I was in Texas last January. I'll be there again in February in Dallas, as a matter of fact. Um, but there's so many people there. I can guarantee that you and I are not going to run into each other on the streets for the three days that I'll be there. So, um, you know, that's, that's very cool that it can, with the, the internet and whiskey itself, friendships can be made, lifelong friendships at that, um, from all across the world. So, uh, thank you for, for, for your groups and what you guys do there. Um, in honor of, uh, World Suicide Prevention Day, um, you know, you've got the, uh, the, the, um, I'm sorry, Live Stay Project and, um, I was hoping that you could give us a little insight into that, um, what that's, what that's about, how people can, um, help, how they can donate, what, you know, what are the things that they can do there? 
Sure. So um, I'm sure a lot of your audience doesn't have any knowledge of my background, but um, if you watch my podcast and you watch the end, you'll learn that I lost uh, my younger brother to suicide in 2014. And uh, in the aftermath, I, you know, I was kind of, I talked to a lot of his friends and a lot of his friends had kind of pushed him away um, towards the end because he was a veteran. He was addicted to opioids. And he had become erratic. And um, I realized lost the sense of community around him. And that, that probably led business that, that made him make that decision. And so I wanted to create community. And um, after we launched the podcast, we created Someone Say Whiskey and um, Bourbon Real Talk Community. I wanted to do something in my brother's honor. And so uh, last, last year, uh, in 2022, on his birthday, um, I formed a nonprofit called Live Period Stay Period Project. And um, ironically, when I first registered the, the entity, I didn't put the periods in there. And my wife made me uh, file paperwork with the state uh, to add the periods because she said the periods are important. Those are individual sentences. Live, stay, right? Like we want you here. And so, <clears throat> you know, I, I, you can only do so much, but I believe that humans don't crave uh, success. They crave progress. And I wanted to use what platform I had to feel like I was making a difference. And so we launched Live Stay Project, uh, which is a registered 501c3 with the IRS, uh, registered as a nonprofit in the state of Texas. And uh, we use the Bourbon Real Talk podcast and Bourbon Real Talk community as a fundraising platform to raise money for suicide prevention and intervention. And we have a amazing board of directors uh, that have a lot of experience in the nonprofit world. We're really just getting started. Um, we've sponsored a number of uh, veterans who suffer from PTSD to be able to get equine therapy treatment. Uh, as uh, it's not covered uh, by the VA for these individuals. And uh, there was a county grant that the Equine Therapy Center lost. Uh, and so those individuals couldn't get the treatment they needed. So we stepped up, we paid for it. We're, we're looking into uh, potentially having some scholarship programs uh, for trade schools for uh, individuals that, you know, might have um, gotten out of the military or, you know, law enforcement or something like that. And they're looking to develop another marketable skill. I think that was one of the things that was so discouraging to my brother is that he didn't have a great skill set to go out and, and create a stable uh, living for himself. And so I'd love to help other individuals that might be in that situation. Um, you know, cause when you get out of the military and you don't jump out of planes and shoot guys, there's, there's not a lot of job uh, skills uh, in this, in this, <laughs> in civilian life. So, um, so we're looking into some of those things, but yeah, uh, right now we have our largest uh, raffle going that we've ever done. There's 24 bottles of whiskey. Um, a raffle ticket is $5 and your name gets entered uh, one time for each raffle ticket that you buy. And then we run, when, when we close the fundraiser, which we may not do until the end of the month, since it is Suicide <laughs> Prevention Month in September, um, <clears throat> we'll probably close it at, at the end of the month, uh, run a randomizer online, record it so that everybody can see that the results are legit and then we get everybody their bottles. But yeah, so 
that's uh, that's what we've we've got going on. We're pretty excited. Uh, leadership team that we were able to put together through our networking. Um, we have no idea how big this organization can get and how far it can go, uh, but we are committed to make sure that this doesn't become, you know, like your typical 501c3 where 80% of the money is going to administrative costs and you've got a CEO that's making, you know, millions of dollars and all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> right now, Bourbon Real Talk, the podcast, uh, covers uh, virtually all of the expenses associated with running the nonprofit. Uh, with the exception of like, you know, bank fees and some software charges and stuff like that. Uh, but 100% of the proceeds are going to the actual mission, uh, aside for those minor fees. And, and we'd like to keep it that way. Very good. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a veteran, um, but I've had my mental health issues in the past. Um, so I'm, I'm very appreciative of that um that aspect but we we do at least on this show we we largely have focused on veteran-owned businesses um in some way or another a lot of the beard oils that we've or the beard products that we've reviewed are veteran-owned um we've had uh two guests on the show that were veterans themselves um that is something that we feel pretty strongly about here helping veterans uh you know, helping support veteran-owned businesses, um, just helping support veterans in, in general. Um, I mean, uh, you know, uh, support those that support us, right? It, it's only right. It's only fair. Um, you know, they gave a lot. Um, and there's no reason that that we can't give to, to help them. So, um, and then, of course, you know, uh, suicide prevention is it's a it's a it's a big thing um i've i've lost more than one loved one friend whatever um to suicide and uh it's rough you know you um you don't know what's going through their head and and how you could have how you could have helped what you could have done maybe you couldn't have done anything but you're always left with that with that thought how could i have done more what could i have done what how could i have helped more um and um yeah it's 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 definitely that's definitely a great thing that you guys are doing there so uh, my hats off to you guys i really appreciate i really appreciate that um i think the biggest thing is is uh jerry's shirt what where'd you get that shirt jerry uh the valhalla project it's a company down here in jacksonville florida um their whole thing is mental health the uh, 22 a day helping the veterans and all that stuff especially since we got two uh two navy bases here one on basically each side of town so uh yeah it's a lot of mental health and um like canine getting your uh um what do you call it the uh support dog yeah that's yeah. what the, that's what they uh their big focus is on 22 a day and getting getting help when you need it yeah i think for those of us uh like us that have a, a platform you know one of the best things that we can do is model uh vulnerability vulnerability because uh especially for men there is a social stigma about struggle and needing help and one of the the 
easiest things that we can all do is to model vulnerability to show men, you know, like you can still be who you are, but share that you have struggles so that those that are willing to step in and be there for you and be your support know to do so. Um, and, and then just pounding that drum to let people know that, you know, mental health is a legitimate thing. You're not alone. Um, you know, everybody, not everybody, but the majority of people struggle with suicidal ideologies at certain stages of their life. And most people keep it to themselves entirely. And the reality is there'd probably be uh, a lot fewer people who make that fateful decision if they lived in an environment where they felt comfortable speaking up when they were struggling and those that were around them could support step in. So uh, that's, that's huge. And that speaks, speaks a lot to what it is that we all are trying to do uh, to let people know that it's okay. So um, I got to ask, um, you know, I think a lot of people are aware of, of prideful goat and, uh, yeah. Very clearly, I have enjoyed my bottle because it's all gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'd like to know how you got involved with this, but on, on that same note, I would also like to know how you got involved with Unallocated mm -hmm. and how I can get my hands on it. <laughs> well, so the Prideful Goat was uh, the, the origin of the prideful goat was this bottle. Prideful goat senior. So the backstory is there's a distillery in Houston that is enormous. It's the largest distillery west of the Mississippi. And nobody knows who they are. They have um, 7,000 barrel per month capacity. Wow. Yeah. So like MGP's capacity is 9,000. So they're almost the size of MGP and no one knows who they are really. And um, so they're a big facility. Um, they're very well funded because the owner of that distillery um, owns coffee businesses. Okay. And he, um, I asked him one time, what percentage of the coffee that's in the United States passes through your hands before it makes it to a consumer? And he said, ah, oh, about 35 or 40%. 35 or 40% of the coffee in the United States, he touches. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. So he's like a billionaire with a B, right? And um, and so he, um, I met him, super awesome guy, really personable. And he's like, hey, do you uh, want to try this 15-year Kentucky whiskey that I got? And I said, yeah, sure. And I tasted it. And I was like, wow, this is really good. And I said, will you give... Uh, let me do a single barrel for my whiskey club. And it's funny because he owns this giant distillery, but he was like, uh, what, do you have a, a DSP? Like, do you, do you have a license we can transfer and bond? And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, it goes, you'll bottle it for your brand. I just tell you, I just tell the liquor store we're working with, like, who to order it from and all that stuff. It goes through your normal three-tier system. And he's like, yeah, sure. But we found out later that the whiskey wasn't in barrels. It was in totes. And um, picking one tote was 1,300 bottles, which I thought was too much for my whiskey club to handle. So I went to um, my, my 
partner, Christopher Hart. Um, so on the back of all of the bottles, you'll see two podcast logos, mine, Bourbon Real Talk, and his, which is Whiskey Pete. And uh, he's kind of does what I do in South Texas. I do what I do in North Texas. And I said, hey, what if we did this 15-year uh, Kentucky straight bourbon, but we released it statewide? And he said, what if we created a new label for it? And I was like, can you do that? And he was like, well, if the distillery owner will let us. And so I reached out to the distillery owner and, uh, you know, he's got nothing uh, but money and time. So he's like, yeah, that sounds fun. Uh, let's do that. And so we got the opportunity to create our own brand. We got to pick the bottle. We got to design the label. We got to name it. Um, we got to do all of that stuff. And um, we didn't have any ownership interest or anything. We just, we thought it was a really cool project to bring to the whiskey world. And um, after the first two releases were very, very successful. The distillery did reach out to the two of us and said, hey, we want to formalize a relationship with you. I, I, I think we can grow this into a real brand. And at that point, we were tasked with the uh, responsibility of going out and finding liquid that was appropriate uh, to be bottled in this brand, uh, which is hard to do because you got to find something that's good. It's got a little bit of age on it, but it's got to be at a price. And when we release it, we're not so far above our competitors. It looks like that, right. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we were just blessed. We just had the opportunity to get in there and create this brand. And when we started, we didn't start it with the idea of mind and try the next Penelope or whatever. Um, we just doing something cool for our whiskey. Sure. You know? um, but in that process, um, I had done uh, several um, projects with a local distillery here in North Texas called Iron Root. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, they, they make a, in my opinion, they make the best pot still bourbon in the U S. Um, I'm not a big pot still bourbon fan, but theirs is, is, is good as I think it can get. And, um, <clears throat> we had done a handful of projects with them and they were ordering some barrels for a project that they were doing with somebody else from MGP. And he called and said, Hey, do you want me to order some barrels for, uh, someone see whiskey so y'all can do some single barrel projects? Um, cause I'm already ordering barrels and I can throw a few extras on. And I said, yeah, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and do it. And then I said, do you care if we release it under our own label? And, uh, they said no. And I was already part of the way through the process of creating the prideful goat. So I knew a little bit about how that type of thing worked. And, uh, so I went to some of the other leaders from someone say whiskey and I said, Hey, let's, uh, let's, let's start a, what's effectively a club label and do it legally, you know, form an actual LLC, file a trademark, put in place the operating agreement with the licensed DSP, use them to file for COLA approval and to do all of that stuff so that it's all 100% legal. And um, so I was working both those projects kind of parallel um, and uh, unallocated, which you can see, you know, behind me over my shoulder. Uh, that's mostly you know, released through the Someone Say Whiskey group. Uh, but the Prideful Goat is distributed in, in 15 states in Canada. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, there are two separate online retailers that you can purchase this through. Uh, unallocated is usually just sold through the distillery to the Someone Say Whiskey club members. Um, although we do have product with Sealbach. So if Sealbach ships to your state, you can go to 
ton. Uh, you can go to Silvoc right now, look for an allocated and buy a bottle and have it shipped directly to your door. They did ship to Kentucky. Um, that's how I got my, cause I, this wasn't on shelves at that time. It is now. Um, yeah. and they've since stopped shipping to Kentucky. <laughs> oh, well, luckily the primal goat is, uh, at, at most of the large liquor stores in Kentucky, uh, our wholesalers keg one. And, uh, I, I mailed them single barrel samples, um, last, uh, last week. So there might be, there might be some single barrels coming out, uh, in Kentucky, uh, soon. And then, uh, Jerry, what state are you in? Uh, Florida. Florida. Um, we are at, at uh, all the total wines in Florida. Yep. Um, and we just switched wholesalers in Florida. Um, we're supposed to launch with a new wholesaler. So hopefully we'll be in some more locations soon. Um, and we may be re releasing some single barrels uh, there as well. Uh, and uh, whenever we single barrels in a state, I'll probably be the one that flies in and does. We'll do a barrel release party. We'll do a free tasting at a at a local bar so that you can come in and get a pour. Uh, I sign bottles for people who ask me to sign bottles, although that feels weird as shit. Uh, but I, I do it anyway. Um, and Paul, Paul, where are you at? I'm in Maryland. In oh. Maryland. Uh, we are presenting uh, to the Maryland Control Board uh, in the next week or so. So hopefully... Um, we will get picked up, but we have a broker that we have started working with there and they're supposed to work to get us in a couple of, uh, the New England States. Uh, but I think, I think Maryland is one of the first ones that we're targeting. So hopefully we'll get, get authorization and we'll be on shelves there, but we, we won't know for another couple of weeks. I don't think. Well, I, I gotta say, uh, <laughs> A six-year, 115-proof rye whiskey, which is what, I, you know, the, the bourbon isn't, I haven't seen a lot of the bourbon on the shelves around here. I, I see the, I see the rye um, a lot, but um, hot damn. <laughs> That's yeah. all. This, yeah. this is, I mean, I'm, Paul, Paul is our resident rye whiskey uh, expert and drinker. I mean, we, we all drink rye whiskey, but Paul lives in Maryland. So he's got access to those, those good, uh, Maryland rise. And, um, I'm interested to see what he has to say about it. But my, my personal opinion, clearly, like I said, the bottle's gone. Um, you know, I sent him some of this bottle. There wasn't a whole lot left. I was glad to do it. I can go get another one, um, tomorrow and I probably will, but, uh, fantastic job. Holy shit. That's, that's some, that's some good whiskey right there. Paul, yeah. you'll be you'll be glad to know that uh, the the barrel. Uh, do you have a primal goat six year rye? Yeah. The barrel that you're drinking from was in Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. So the 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 six year rye came from MGP, um, but we started to run out of six year, and there's a producer uh, there in Baltimore that we have a relationship with, and um, they they let us pick up some of their surplus barrels and uh, all of the current batches that are on the shelf came from the barrels that we, we got from Baltimore. So. Excellent. I think I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. I, 
I, I don't, I, I wasn't involved in the deal, so I don't know if we have an NDA, so I'm, I'm not saying anything <laughs> specific, but um, I, I know who we got them from. And uh, we were very grateful that they were willing to help, uh, help our brand since we are technically competitors. Uh, but um, in the whiskey world, everybody seems to kind of help each other out when you need it. And, uh, yeah. We were, we were running out of barrels, so uh, we were grateful to get that. But yeah, it's, it's typical 95.5 MGP uh, rye. Uh, there are countless brands that release the same whiskey, um, but we try to uh, offer a better value proposition uh, because ours is cash strength, it's non-chill filtered, and it is uh, hopefully a little less money at cash strength and non-chill filtered uh, with the age statement that we offer than our competitors. So, um, you know, most of the time when our competitors release an age-dated cash drink non-chill filtered, it's uh, 99 99 um, and we're, we're uh, MSRP is uh, 74.99. So we're, we're trying to be a bit of a value play. Although it's hard in this market with prices for everything going up. Uh, the distillery is yelling at us to raise our price. So <laughs> it's a constant tr struggle to try and keep the value or the price down for you guys, uh, for sure. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic whiskey. Um, definitely, definitely has a great mouthfeel. That's the first thing I get. I get um, I think I'm picking up like some bubble gum. Oh, yep. often, yes, hundred uh, percent, which is awesome. Um, I like finding weird outlier, you know, notes like that. Um, I get it a little bit on the palate, but there's there's definitely some citrus there on the finish that comes mm -hmm. through on the palate and then lingers as like an orange. Um. It's a little bit spicy, a little botanic on the finish. Um, this is a great pour. Excellent. It's so funny you say that because um, I, I think it's genetic whether or not you taste bubblegum. I, I don't <laughs> think that everybody can taste bubblegum, um, but Christopher and I both can. Um, and so when one of the things you have to do when you own a brand is when you buy barrels, you have to taste them all. And you have to decide which one you want for your blending projects for doing your batches and which ones are unique that you don't want to lose in the blend. Um, so you want to pull those out because either they're exceptional or that you think might appeal to whiskey clubs that want something different. And so, you know, we go down and we sit there all day long and we taste barrels and everyone goes, Oh, that sounds so awesome. It's the worst part of being involved in a brand. You can't drink the whiskey, your palate's burnt out. You got to spit everything out. Everyone's arguing about what to do with the barrel. You know, it's just, it's not a fun thing, right? Um, but we found that our palates aligned and uh, Christopher and I both taste that, that, uh, that it's big league chew bubble gum. That's right? exactly like, what I was yeah. going to say. It's, big, it's not, it's, it's the bubble gum flavored big league chew, not the grape, not the, the any grape. it's, it's the yeah. straight up big league chew. Yeah. And it's, I, it's I got the big league chew or that, that, uh, was that the bubble gum tape? Bubble tape. The one that you used to, whatever it's called that powdery yeah. bubble gum that's what it yeah. is so i i went and um we had done a i don't think we did a barrel release but i, I sometimes i go to a, a state and we do what we call a market visit and i ride around with the wholesaler and they take me to different liquor stores and have me taste the decision makers and when i do that i try to do an event at night at a bar so that everybody watches the podcast can get together and come have a free pour with me and we did that in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and there's like 17 people standing in this bar. It's like five o'clock on a Thursday. 
and I'm leading them through the tasting notes. And I was like, not everybody gets this, but I get big league chew, like straight up. And one of the like more outspoken members in that local whiskey community is like, yeah, I don't get that at all. And the whole room was like, yeah, I don't, I don't get, I don't know where that's coming from, Randy. I don't get that. So I got like 17 people telling me I'm wrong. And we were in this back room and there was a sign up that said like, you know, event. And I went out to go to the bathroom and this guy comes up and he's like, what's going on back there? And I was like, oh, my whiskey brand. We, um, you know, we we're doing like a kind of a release party thing. I was like, do you drink whiskey? And he's like, I love whiskey. And I was like, whiskey? So he walks in and he hadn't been there when everybody had gone through that process. And I'm going to pour him a little bit and he tastes it. And he says out loud where everybody can hear him. He's like, this tastes like bubble gum. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. I high-fived him and I was like, I told all of y'all. But I, I think that it might be a genetic thing. I don't I don't think everybody tastes the same thing. Um, but I, I certainly, and, it, and it's sweeter. I, I haven't seen anybody who tried it, you know, whether they taste the bubblegum or not, that, that don't comment on how sweet it is for an unfinished rye, right? Um, and I think of it as more of like an almost an after dinner aperitif. Um, it's 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 bold. It's got a lot of flavor on the palate for sure, and it sticks mm -hmm. around. So, yeah, I get I get I definitely get the bubblegum. Uh, I get the citrus on the nose um one, one of the notes that i can find in generally any whiskey that i drink except scotch is uh brown sugar and uh it doesn't matter if it's bourbon or if it's rye um i get that and i just a little bit of char not it's not too much um i like i like just a little bit of char um it's it's fantastic. It's it's a damn good whiskey. I'm I'm definitely you know like I said I'm gonna have to go buy another bottle tomorrow or <laughs> next day. Well, we appreciate the support for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not get. I'm not getting it now, but I've been. It's only a couple days worth. I've been getting into it. Um, I was getting like a a red grape kind of note in there. I'm not getting it now with the cigar, but um, I was getting red grape. Uh, definitely that bubble gum, that floral, citrusy notes. Um, and then I, a lot of rise, I'll get like a, a bit of like a bitterness or like a black licorice anise flavor towards the end. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm getting a little bit of that, but it's not like a bad. It's a nice uh, contrast to that sweetness. Um, but yeah, I did a, was it last year when you did the, uh, the sampling, like the virtual sampling? It was last year, two, whatever it was, of uh, I think it was batch one. Uh, I got lucky and jumped on one of them, and I sent Adam a text asking if he's had it, and he said no. So I sent him the link. He tried it, and both of us were like, "This stuff's phenomenal." This like, so I've had one bottle since, and then I kind of it's over at Total Wine, and it's not the closest place to me. It's like a forty-five minute drive, so I don't get out there too often. But he mentioned you coming on. I was like, all right driving over there grabbing another bottle because i need another one but i, pre I appreciate yeah, it's it, it's a nice sweet pour i usually like the the maryland style a little bit sweeter a little bit more floral than the the typical 95.5 you see that are it's spicy so this falls right in my palate so jerry what does great. it say on the back of your bottle that, as far as the distiller is it mgp mine mine was mgp that's what paul and i have for sure yeah i got i got batch three i think it's the same one you have 
Yeah, it's so ours. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't they don't prevent us from from saying who we bought it from. On the 15 year mm -hmm. then we had a non-closure agreement. So we can't we can't publish where this came from. But MGP doesn't have that restriction because no. it's kind of their business model. And so it um I think uh it says distilled in Indiana, obviously on the back. Yeah. Um, but it, somewhere on here, it says from an all too familiar Indiana distillery. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, kind of a tongue in cheek joke, which it's funny because, you, you know, we just made this brand up. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like some, one of our great, great grandfathers was a distiller. And this is, you know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no brand history behind it. And the truth is, uh, I asked, I, I'm not a creative person at all. Like I, when it comes to design or anything like that, I can't, you know, <laughs> and so I asked Christopher, I was like, you're, you're a creative type. Like, do you have any ideas? Like what direction do you want to go? And he said, well, I want the label to look old world pub from Ireland. And it does. And I said, okay, I, I can work with that. And so I started looking up old pub signs and all that. And a lot of them are in Gaelic. I was like, man, that'd be cool. You know, if we had a whiskey that had a Gaelic name, but what, you know, what, what could we say? And so I looked up how to say his last name and my last name in Gaelic. And it sounded cool, right? I don't remember what it was, but it sounded cool. So I called him and I said, what about this? He's like, it sounds all right, but what does it mean? And I said, that's our last names. And he said, do you know what the whiskey enthusiast community is going to do to us if they find out we named this whiskey after ourselves? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> And uh, and then he like out of the blues like what about the prideful goat? And I don't remember what project I was working on, but I had been on a hipster word generator earlier that week, and I was like the prideful goat. What about you've been playing around on a hipster word generator? Like don't <laughs> don't come at me and act like you just made that up. And he's like, like I did, I did, I just made it up. And I was like, no, you didn't. Like you didn't just think of that. And uh, he still contends that he just made it up. Um, so uh, he he did trick me the other day. We were recording a little origin story. And he's like, actually, I was on a hipster word generator and I put down a bunch of words and I let my daughter, Nora, like pick the ones and we put them together and that's what it was. And I was like, no shit. And he's like, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I totally made it up. And I was like, ah, I don't, I don't believe you. But once you once he said the prideful goat, I was like, that's actually kind of a cool name for a whiskey company. And um, so we had to check with legal and make sure it was available and, and all that stuff. And um, and we we're off to the races. We had uh, we had a designer that first friends with designed the goat separately from the label. And then there's uh, there's companies that specialize in designing whiskey labels because there's so many TTB regulations and you need somebody that has experience to make sure that they're not violating anything. And so we took the base goat and took that to the company and said, build a label around this. And uh, so that that's how we ended up with the with the goat. And I actually met the designer of the goat and I didn't know who he was. And we were sitting at the bar at the distillery in Houston. And Christopher has another brand that he, like I have unallocated, Christopher has Gregarious Grump. And Gregarious Grump does like cash strength rums and and brandies like Armagnacs and Cognacs and things like that. Uh, really cool projects. And he had one from Jamaica. And I don't know if you've had much Jamaican rum, 
but it tastes like shit. It is terrible. And um, Beg to differ. <laughs> but in a good way. You know what I'm saying? And so that was the story because I'm sitting there at the bar and they get all these gregarious rump bottles out and I'm standing next to a guy that I don't know. And I take a pour of this Jamaican and, uh, and they're like, what do you think? And I was like, this tastes like shit. <laughs> and, uh, and the guy looked at me like kind of surprised. And I was like, no, no, in a, in a good way. Like it's, it's, it's the good kind of taste like shit. Right? <laughs> I was like, you know how sometimes like manure smells good. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's, it's like being in the outdoors. I'm not, I can't explain it to you. Like it's, it's like a good thing. It was the designer of the goat. Uh, and I had no idea who he was. <laughs> so we had a, we had a little laugh, um, and I got to explain to him what a dunder pit was and why Jamaican whiskey tastes so funky. So we we had a good time. So we are we're all all three of us are 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 big fans of rum, um, and uh, I don't know about Paul so much as Jerry and I, but Jerry and I are, are very big fans of brandies and 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 things of that nature. I'm sure Paul is as well. Um, but, uh, Jerry, you know, living in Florida, he's got a line on all the, uh, on all the good rums down there. So, um, you know, he's, he's, I, I, the first thing that I ever had alcohol wise outside of beer was a bottle of, um, Bacardi silver. Uh, I was 17 I drank the entire bottle and then I thought it would be a good idea to try to watch the Blair Witch Project uh, with that damn camera bouncing around. It was <laughs> horrible. That's also how I figured out that if you lay down and put one foot flat on the ground, it, it stops the spins. So <laughs> I learned that very early. Um, but, you know, I kind of shot away from rum for, for a while. Um, the last, after, after that, my next encounter with rum was Bacardi 151. Um, and it was just, you know, undrinkable. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was so bad, but Jerry sent me a, uh, a care package, uh, a couple years ago. Um, and I don't know how many bottles were in there, but, um, he helped me find my, my new favorite brand, the Holmes key, uh, line of rums are phenomenal. And actually, uh, when I was in Dallas, um, I found a Holmes key Fiji, at a liquor store there in Dallas. And I think that, I think they wanted $150 for the bottle. And my wife looked at me like I was insane for even. Yeah. 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 Uh, actually, um, we, we've got a guest coming on in, uh, in a few weeks. Um, I'll edit this part out, um, because we want to keep it a surprise, but it's, a uh, it's the guy that does, um, R bourbon on Reddit, um, Jay West. And and he sent out an email today for a 15 year Holmes key Belize. 16 year, eight month. Is it? Well, the email that I've got yeah. says 15 year, but I, whatever, I'll, I'll take that too. I don't care. Um, and then what was the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the Barbados that you sent me was what? 12 years, something like that. 11 or 12. Yeah. Um, Holmes key does that's, that's amazing stuff. And I bet that Belize is, is damn tasty right there. So um yeah we um we did did we've done a couple of rum single barrels and someone said whiskey and uh one of them i was trying to find it i thought this one was it but one of them is um it's got a sailor jerry taters a sailor jerry yeah sailor jerry tater sticker 
yeah it's like it's it it looks like a like a, a sailor tattoo style you know yeah yeah um, but it said sailor jerry and you know but it was it's was holmes holmes k we do a couple single girls of, of rum um it's it's harder to do um those spirits as a whiskey club because you know you don't know how much buying you're gonna get you don't want to stick a retailer with inventory they don't they don't have customers to to sell out with so uh usually when we do the weird stuff like we we did a, a barrel aged gin yesterday um that oh, released nice. yesterday if we do a cognac or we do a tequila or we do a rum we usually go with a larger retailer that has enough stores that they can spread the inventory out if we happen to not sell it out but usually we do um Holmes K has been, but it's a little bit expensive, but you know, ours is yeah. 60, 61% alcohol. So, um, uh, you know, good, strong, you know, single barrel cash. Good stuff. For sure. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the, the Facebook groups I'm active in, they, it's, it's baseball related and it's all, he does a bunch of, uh, single barrel picks. And uh, a couple weeks ago, they released a, uh, a, a rolling fork. Uh, I think it was nine year rum. Um, so him and the guys that went to pick it messaged me asking questions and they ended up picking a one that was finished in, well, finished in well or 12 barrels. So I was like, you got to do that. Like, you don't know what these guys are going to buy rum wise. So at least throw that on there and get the tater aspect of it. And everyone's going to buy it. Sure. Like worst case, you get rid of the whole barrel. And like, I guarantee you there, you're not going to taste the difference between that and a, a standard bourbon barrel finished rum. So just throw that part in there and buy it. So they did, and it sold out, and people tatered over it. The Rolling Fork guys are cool. Um, a couple yeah. of years ago, during the pandemic, uh, Fred Minnick was trying to put together a a virtual like whiskey event online um, where everybody participated remotely, but they built like this digital city, and you enter with a avatar yeah digi world I, I was i did that yeah and uh i reached out to fred and i was like hey man i ain't got shit going on like if you want help let me know because i can do whatever and he was like hey i have a couple of content pieces that i don't have time to record like can you record it for me and then you know send it over and i'll do all the editing and and Cause it was for breakout sessions where you'd go into a room and then your avatar would sit down and look at a screen and then the video plays on the screen. Right. And so I did a couple of interviews and he introduced me to the rolling fork guys and their origin story is really freaking cool. Uh, but they, they make some interesting, interesting stuff for sure. So a, a rum finished in a Weller 12 would be pretty dope. So, so I do have a uh, couple ahead, questions uh, on the, the prideful goat. Um, yeah. First one is it's a six year. Is it six years at MGP and then extra at the, in Texas, or is it six years total with a little, obviously a little extra on it? The, the, the rise um, has at least one hot season in Texas. The, Bourbon uh, batch one had no significant 
seasonal exposure to Texas. As soon as we got the first barrels, we bottled and sent to oh. That having been said, you know, you mentioned you see the rye everywhere, but you don't see the bourbon. Most of our wholesalers have done a piss poor job at getting the bourbon out to the retailers that were carrying the rye. And so, I mean, hell, there were people flipping the bourbon on the secondary market. And I'm like, there's 18,000 bottles of it sitting at the waiting for pickup. Like, this is not an allocated product. It's just not getting out there. Um, and since it's taken so long to get it out there, uh, all of the rye barrels have spent at least one uh, summer uh, hot cycle season in Texas. And we're actually about to release, because of the time that we've had some of the barrels, uh, we're about to release an eight-year rye that's going to have a SRP of ninety-four ninety-nine, um, And we're about to really, it's going to be extremely small, but we're going to release a rum-finished uh, rye. And so most of the single barrels that have been released have been at least seven years old, even though the label says they're six which is, you know, part of the problem is when, can you hold on one second? My dog is out his shit. You're gonna have to edit this out. I'd be down, I'd be down for a rum finish. Go. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm glad you took it back to the goat because that, that was actually where I was gonna go with it too. So we'll uh, let him, finish yeah. answering your questions uh, so let me pick that back up sorry about that um i don't know how sensitive this mic is but my boom mic picks that up like crazy and it's like all oh, you can hear in the background um all right so uh back to what i was saying so we have um two out. um one is an eight year rye msrp is going to be 90 99 and we're going to do a small release this year hopefully uh, for October, November, December. And then um, we are hopefully going to continue that on next year as the next batch of barrels, you know, uh, hit that age mark. Uh, and then we have the rum finish rye uh, that it's going to be an extremely small release, uh, but we'll, we'll be releasing that hopefully at the end of the year as well. So if you see a rum finish rye uh, price, go grab it because i don't know that we'll have any more and if we did it'd probably be a year before we had it um, so oh, no for sure if i if i see that it's that's coming on with me yeah <laughs> at least two bottles if i can maybe three for the right <laughs> yeah, so problems with our run finishing project um you, know, you don't think about it but when you when you are sourcing barrels you know, you might be able to go out and get the most epic barrel in the world for finishing, but if you're a brand that wants to maintain your SKUs on shelves, you can't buy it unless it's repeatable. If you if the future doesn't appear to have the opportunity for you to buy that same finishing pen, and you want to have, you know, your your product lines grow, you can't buy from that source. And so trying to find repeatable sources of rum barrels is, you know, difficult. And then when you find one, you don't know whether or not it's going to produce a good product. And so we bought a small number of barrels from several different sources and we put all the whiskey in and one of the sources 
the barrels are all contaminated. Um, they all taste strongly of potting soil. And so when I asked the distillery to pull samples to see how the finishing project was going, they sent me samples from this one barrel source that were undrinkable. They're disgusting. And um, I thought, oh my God, I just ruined $60,000 worth of whiskey. But it turned out just to be a fraction of the overall project. So the rest of the barrels are good. Um, I've tasted them. I've, I've blended them together to get an idea of what they're going to taste like. At the time the samples were pulled, the uh, rum influence was a little light, uh, but we've left them in. They've had a few more months uh, in the hot Texas uh, weather. And so uh, hopefully uh, they'll be ready soon and we'll be bottling the project very soon. And it should be just, just like what you would think. Can you say uh, what rum barrels they are? If I knew, um, <laughs> I would tell you if I knew, uh, the, the rum barrels that, that we actually have, um, three barrels that came from gregarious rump that were, I think, uh, Barbados and Belize, I think, um, which are, I, those are all, uh, is it Foursquare? I think those are all former Foursquare. Oh, nice. Um, and then uh, the other barrel source, they wouldn't tell us what the brand was, but they said that it was a rum that was based out of Florida. So whoever that was. But they said that it was a repeatable source, and those barrels produced a uh, decent a decent product. So we may, we may be ordering from them again. We'll see. Um, and then there was a third source, that they were more cryptic about what it came, where it came from, and that was the source that uh, contaminated the whiskey. And it, it, it's it won't be used anymore. It's okay. So one last question for me. Um, I know you've touched on it on the YouTube channel and your podcast and everything, but the bourbon, the Prideful Goat Bourbon, is a green label. The rye is not. And obviously, everyone sees blue or green as like rye. Can you touch on that? Uh, yeah, we're just dumb. What? <laughs> like when we, <laughs> I wish there was a better answer. And to be honest, like it's like why, like go Google why are uh, rye labels green? Oh, you I can't know. find an answer. No, there is <laughs> no answer. Like, and. There was like one distillery that did it and then everyone's like, yeah, that's what we do. And now everyone does it, right? So we created the Prideful Goat 15 year label first. And when we were going through the all of the, because the, the, the label maker sends you proofs and goes, what do you think of this? You know, give us feedback, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you can say, move this up, you know, add some more flourish here, blah, blah, blah. And the one that we happened to pick was green. And I didn't think about it at the time because we didn't know there was going to be a ride. At the time, we thought we were just making a label for like one or two releases for our whiskey clubs. And so when we went out to go find barrels that would have liquid that was appropriate to bottle in a brand like the Prideful Goat, the first barrels we found were, were rye barrels. And so now it's like, well, what do we do? Because we want the label to be different so people don't think that it it's the 15 year bourbon. So we went with cream 
<laughs> so <laughs> no great explanation for it. Uh, but my 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 answer is that there's no that a right label has to be green. So there. Okay. Now I know that gets thrown around a lot with the labels and especially on uh the two the bourbon real talk and say uh someone say whiskey. At least it did for a while. I always just thought it was funny with, with your did answer. You say safe space whiskey. I think it almost came out of your mouth. <laughs> I, I said whiskey before somebody and it uh, just got okay. all jumbled up and <laughs> when people make I fun of our group for not allowing trolls. They, that's what they call us is safe space. A safe space. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not a, that's, you're not, that's a compliment. I like, I don't know. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. It's a safer space for people who want to talk and not be jerks to each other. So it, it's nice. Cause I know when I, back in 2020 with COVID and everything, that was one of the things I just joined every whiskey group I could just to kind of learn and whatnot. And shit within the first three months, I think I left half of them because they're just, assholes assholes and then and over the last three years there's a handful of them that i'm still a part of or pay attention to right uh, so it's kind of nice being able to jump in a, a facebook group and not have to deal with uh stupidity i guess for lack of better words no that's fair i mean i, I it's so like every so often the trolls uh will get me to break my you know standard protocol and i'll i'll back. I, my wife always gets mad when I do it but you know it's like i'll delete it later but let me you know at least say my <laughs> you know and uh, and i mean the truth is is that the, the people that are acting like that and if you're watching this this is going to offend you if you're in that category and i want it to because I want you to know that you can be better, right? You don't have to be the person who feels so weak in your everyday life that you only feel powerful when you control somebody else's anger by being a jerk, right? You don't have to be that way. You can actually have a real interaction and real connection with people on the internet and all of those people that act like that something happened right they're they're one of their parents didn't want them you know they they didn't get held enough when they were a baby they got held too much i don't know right but that comes from a place of sadness and what's actually more fun than punching back with the patrols is to show genuine concern and to not stop, no matter how hard they get you to get angry. I've done it a couple times where I just kept going, buddy, are you okay? Like, people don't act like this when they're mentally, like, happy and whole. Like, what is going on? Like, you don't have to be this way. And I've broke a couple of people where I, like, five, six interchanges after they told me they helped my kids die of cancer and you know all of that stuff and we keep you know getting and i'm like i get it i hope my kids die i get it but why do you feel like that why can't you and i interact and be you know encouraging to one another and i've 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 gone through that it's 
it's so hard because human nature is just like, ah, fuck you, you know? And so creating that, but at the same time, like, you know, when you're trying to create a space and you've got, you know, there's 28,000 people in one group and almost 16,000 in the other, you don't have time to rehab. I'm not your counselor, right? Like, <laughs> I can't, I, it's like, it, once you show your colors, it's like you go out into the world and if you get healthy, maybe you can come back. You know what I mean? But right now we're just trying to protect this group of people so that they can have interactions that are, you know, going to help their mental health and be an encouragement and get them to the next stage of life versus you, you know, picking out your, mommy and daddy issues on some stranger on the internet because you know you're not going to get punched in the face of people, right? Uh, but anyway, that's my soapbox. Uh, <laughs> I hate to digress. Actually, I don't. I do it all the time. <laughs> Whenever somebody has me on their podcast, I'm like, good luck editing that shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's not going to get edited. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair I'll throw, because you know whenever i put it up there and it's got that little box that says you know explicit material i check that motherfucker <laughs> and then they know <laughs> because the three of us we don't i mean uh, I, I i would i mean I, I would venture a guess to say that jerry and, and paul both have uh about as much filter as i do which is damn near non-existent i i am i'm very much a speak my mind individual i know at any time exactly what i'm thinking so um you know you 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 do a better job at at uh reeling yourself in because i i would i would be the guy to launch back at him like, fuck you, you you suck and all that you know just let them have it but uh and and that's what they want you know that that just feeds into exactly what they want but i can't stop myself that's the thing is i i i I can't do it. So uh, I applaud you for being able to do that. It is a, uh, it is a, it's a muscle that you have to develop for sure. Um, and, and if your podcast ever, you know, hits algorithm and all of a sudden you start experiencing rapid growth and all that stuff that, you know, that's one of the more interesting things to talk with somebody about that's, that produces content and publishes it is how did you deal with that transition? Because all of a sudden, everybody thinks that, you know, they have a right to, to cast judgment. And I've learned a lot about human nature, you know, being in some ways, putting myself out there publicly, right? And um, one of the things that I've learned is that the average human has been told that they are so brilliant that there's no reason to question their own judgment, right? And that they need very little information to come to a firm decision, right? And I think it's because of the news cycle, like nothing is in depth, it's all three minute segments of information that are filled with emotionally charged words that are meant to agitate people that have a particular worldview, right? And people are just used to that. And then all the social media platforms put way more emphasis on their algorithm for their short form content than they do their long form content. Which means that you can not accurately convey a message, but that's what they want to show people is a message that's very easy to misinterpret, right? 
and I did short form content for a period of time earlier this year and it wrecked my channel because it was exposing my content to countless people who don't have an interest in my content or my mission or vision. And many of those people have been deluded by society to believe that their opinion is the greatest opinion on planet earth and that they can form a solid opinion after watching 59 seconds worth of content and be qualified to tell me whether or not as a human, it would be good if I continued to live or die. Right. And talking with somebody who's gone through that process, like when I've gotten to talk to like Fred Minnick privately, that's all I ask him. It's like, how do you deal with that? Right. Like how do you, how do you make it past that hump? Because my natural inclination is here's my address, bitch. <laughs> and I'm going to win. I probably lose, but it's going to cost you something to find out. If you want to talk to me like that, that's my natural inclination. Right. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't, that if you have a bigger vision or mission, it, it doesn't get you. Where and so I mean, you know, when somebody has a real strong opinion about how things should be handled or what, how things should work out, I have to take into consideration what they had when they came to that conclusion. So we recently in Bourbon Committee had a big hubbub about a very popular who was super generous and he's given away tons and tons of stuff, right? And, um, but it was starting to interfere with the vision and mission and culture of the community. So I was trying to find a way for everybody to get what they wanted, you know, and a lot of people had a lot of really strong opinions about what the right thing to do was and all of that stuff. And what I realized was, is that they're forming their opinion based on the interactions that they have on the group. They don't know when somebody sends me a message and says, I was planning on killing myself and I didn't because of your encouraging message. And I've made all of these friends that are checking in on me and my life is now in a much better place. And I realized that, you know, I, I can have a bright future and blah, blah, blah. They don't see that. And I do. Right. And so as much as I would love to elevate, you know, some individual's opinion to the very, very top and, and just go, you know what, you're king and, I, and, and I'll do what you say. I can't because literally people would die. Right. And I have to discount some opinions because they don't have access to that information. And so for me, it is really a life or death situation. And it's very important. Um, and, and even if it's not life or death, it's, it's happiness or, or, or despair. You know what I mean? Like, is somebody living a happy life that they they're, um, have hope and see a bright future or, or not? And so <clears throat> we have to remember as content creators that that's, that's the, we're not managing it for ourselves. We're managing it for the, the mission of whatever our content is about. And sometimes I have to subjugate my own personal inclinations and opinions for the benefit of the, the future vision of the organization um, and those individuals that will be served. And so that's, that is a, a hard transition to make for a private company, for sure. Well, um, you know, uh, 
like I said, I, I was going to take it back to the goat a minute ago. And, uh, just, just in relation to the cigar that we're smoking. Um, I know you don't, you don't smoke cigars very often. You said, um, but this is, you know, that's, that's one third of what we do here on this show. And, and we've been smoking an Alec Bradley Tempest. And I mean, it's, it's a very, you know, it's very creamy and, and, and woodsy is, is getting a lot of, you know, that's, that's, that's just basically what I'm getting. It's a, it's a great yeah. smoke, but, um, and this is the first time that I can actually say this in the history of this podcast, which is not very old. Prideful Goat actually made <laughs> the cigar more enjoyable. Um, oh, it's, nice. it's, usually it's a, it's a juxtaposition of the two where, um, they feed off of each other and you can bring out notes, um, with the combination of the two that you don't get from one or the other. Um, I think maybe the cigar made the bubblegum flavor, the bubblegum notes a little bit more prominent for the prideful go. I mean, I, I get that anyway, but it, it was, it was really just kind of punched in the face with the, uh, the, the big league chew, but the prideful goat has really made this cigar, um, more enjoyable to me. Um, and that's, that's very cool. Um, I, I you know, I enjoy this cigar. It's something that I, that I keep on hand since I got the first one. Um, but, um yeah yeah very cool very very uh very cool juxtaposition there for me um and and you know i saw paul and and jerry nodding their heads in agreement there so um it it's a it's a great cigar but it's even better if you've got some prideful goat on hand so if you're gonna enjoy an yeah. alec bradley tempest definitely go get some prideful goat it, it pulled out uh i was pulling out some like citrusy notes with the cigar after the the whiskey so that I wasn't getting initially. And it uh on the other way, it makes the whiskey I I guess uh buttery, more buttery or creamier, I guess. Mm. Um but it's the whiskey still holds all that that same flavor. It just takes that that rye punch out and makes it just creamier, buttery, or I don't know what the actual technical word is for that, but still get all the flavor but it it just smoother or creamier whatever paul what are your takes on that you have to agree i'm right there with you i mean it's a fantastic cigar it's a you know medium cigar it starts out i was getting a little bit of chocolate and some like cocoa off the top but after drinking the whiskey the the woodsy and the earthy notes really come through and it's definitely a very creamy cigar, so it goes well with the mm. great mouthfeel of this whiskey and just works well together, definitely. Yeah, the, after I lit it, I was getting basically like a toasted marshmallow flavor. So with with, with everything else in it, it was almost like a, a, a s'more in a stick sort of deal with that chocolatey, woodsy, marshmallowy note to it. Started out real nice. And then that, the whiskey just added on to it yep it's a great bearing agreed so um you know another another third of what we do here is is beard care products and i know randy that you said that you generally make your own um but something that 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 goes in line with at least part of the mission of the live stay project um we we are reviewing a badass beard wash. Um, and this is a veteran owned company. 
Um, and I, I got their sample pack and I believe Jerry and Paul both did as well. And they sent, uh, some beard wash and then they, they, in a little felt bag, um, they sent samples of beard butter and their, their beard oil called the outlaw. And it's, it's great stuff. Um, it's not, it, it doesn't make my beard feel oily. It, it does moisturize and um, everything that you want it to do the beard uh the the beard butter or the beard balm it smells great my only qualm is that there was a whole lot of it, like eucalyptus in the uh in the wash and it it made my face feel great but it wasn't necessarily my preferred scent um so that's so with that's with, you know, with that's badass my with badass thing. beard care that was this was my go-to about three years ago, four years ago. And before I started venturing out, trying other ones. Um, so I didn't go with the, the sample pack. I actually went with the, uh, the, the combo of the beer butter and the oil went with the ladies man, which is the, um, lemon and vanilla scented. And I have some of the beard wash in there. Um, but yeah, that beard wash is just straight minty eucalyptus. Um, I typically use it like once a week, once every other week. If I'm out in the yard getting dirty, doing whatever, um, I don't use it every, that one every day just because of that. Um, but like I said, this was this was my go-to brand a couple of years ago, and uh, big fan of them. Yeah, no, I like them too. Um, I did the sample pack. Yeah, it's like a tea tree oil scent on that beard wash. It's very, yeah. very pronounced. Um, but overall, I mean, I think the products are good. Um, going through their website, looking at a lot of their ingredients in the project and the products. I mean, it's all American-made products. Um, the ingredients are good. Uh, the founder, um, his little story, he enlisted after 9-11 and served for 10 years. And then he was medically discharged due to injuries sustained while serving. Um, came back and started this company. Um, they got a whole line of products from oils, butters, balms, waxes, even deodorants, colognes, a multivitamin that's geared towards hair health. Um, the only thing that I have to say, all the products, the ingredients are all natural, all great. The wash and the conditioner, I'd like to see them do a better job of keeping those products a little bit more natural. Um, the ingredients in the in the beard wash and the conditioner are you know, a, a little a little chemical driven. Um, lots of words you can't pronounce. Where it's uh all the other waxes and balms and oils are all natural, all, you know, all good products. So I'd like to see them clean that up a little bit. Um, there's other ways to w make washes and conditioners out there for your face and for your beard than to putting all that crap in there. Um, other than that, I got no complaints. I like the sense. Um, seems to be overall a good company. I'd just like to see them either drop those two products from their, from their lineup or make them better. So one thing I did notice and I, I, I like about it is the ingredients is most of the of the companies will say they have these carrier oils and then just put fragrances or or whatever. They actually put what what uh fragrances or um essential oils are in this. So for this ladies man, you have the apricot kernel oil, argan oil, jojoba oil, and vitamin E, which is in all their oils. And then they also list the lemon oil, vanilla uh absolute orange oil lang lang oil tea tree oil eucalyptus oil rosemary oil and pure badassery 
Uh, so they list all their, all the, the scents and, and everything that are actually in the oil itself, instead of just saying fragrances or essential oils, which is kind of cool. And oh. I believe it's the same for the, the beard butter. Yeah. Shea butter. Uh, yep. Vitamin E then lemon oil, vanilla oil. So same thing. Um, they list the, the actual fragrances in there instead of just saying vaguely fragrances. Yeah. Good. I mean, good products. Um, some, some things that, you know, we, we would like for them to be able to do better and, and, you know, may, maybe they will, uh, maybe they won't, but, um, again, veteran owned, um, which is a, a, a big thing for us and, um, you know, support those guys, uh, definitely check out their oils and their balms um good stuff so yeah they, they have a i believe you guys did it the free the free sample package is mm -hmm. that what you guys did yeah um so it's free ship free sample uh all you have to do is pay shipping uh the only thing i would say is since like i said i, I was a big fan of these back in the day and i'm on their facebook group and everything they keep track of who orders these free samples since you don't need a code or anything. So there's people that just constantly order these free samples and they, yeah, they send them out. But like when you order like a pack, like I did, they throw goodies here and there. And if you're keep ordering these free samples, they're just going to send you the samples. They're not going to send you anything else, sure. um, but they keep, they keep track of it. Um, so order your one, maybe two free samples. And other than that, actually go for their, sample packs or actual oils or whatever because they don't like it um and they keep track of it and they will call you out well they're a business they have to uh, you know clearly that's what they're there for so they i don't blame them Beards and Belvedere's is produced by Adam Bolden, Paul Rousseau, and Jerry Ferrisier. Editing by Adam Bolden. Music by Ryan Johnson. You can find the links to all our social media accounts on our website at bourbonbeardsandbelvedere's.com. As always, enjoy your bourbon and cigars responsibly. Cheers!